Hello and welcome to the KPMG CyberOps podcast, the show that dives into cybersecurity topics in a time where data is at the heart of our society. I'm your host Henrik Smit, and today we are talking about digital identities and zero trust. We'll discuss the ins and outs of modern identity and access management, how it relates to zero trust and why it is important to secure your data. Be sure to listen all the way through as we offer you a special opportunity at the end. Today I have two guests in the studio. The first one is Yuka Lahia, partner at KPMG and specialized in identity and access management. And the second one is Chris Owen, Chris, director of product management at Savient. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us. Hi Henrik, nice to be here. Hi Henrik, thank you very much for having us today. So Chris, to start with you, um, zero trust is a term that we hear a lot lately and it feels like a hype. Uh, can you tell me what, what is it about and how can we benefit from it in the light, for instance, for uh, access to confidential data? Yeah, that's a really good question. So Zero Trust is really a framework that tries to get us to rethink security. So if we look back to the good old days, as I like to call them, you know, we as, as employees, we were mostly office based. We had data centers we were in control of and our data was all on prem. We had desktops, laptops connected to our networks. And we really we used to call this model trust but verify. And what this meant is we trusted devices because they were on our network. We trusted people because they had access to these devices. And we asked them to verify their identity using a password in order to access systems, applications, and data. We, of course, had perimeter protection, network segregation in the form of DMZs for external facing assets and internal networks that controlled the flow of application and user traffic. And really, you know, the bad news is this hasn't kept out the bad actors. Think of all the breaches over the last five years alone. Each one of them has leveraged this trust in some way in order to gain access to the network, extract data, or cause harm. And ultimately, as technologies as technology has evolved, we're now embracing cloud technologies, remote working, and our perimeter has really dissolved. Our data is spread out everywhere, and we're accessing it from anywhere. So we really need to think about new ways of protecting ourselves and our data. So it's a framework, a set of guidelines that shifts our mindset to assume that we've been breached. And at its core is the message, never trust, always verify. I like that message, never trust, always verify. Um, what does it actually mean in cybersecurity? What this means is we should not by default trust machines. In today's world, those machines could be any number of devices connecting from any number of places. So this is where machine identity management and machine trust comes in. We need to rethink how those machines gain access to our environments, especially in these times, you know, are VPNs still considered secure? I liken them to digging a tunnel under the sea between two countries and allowing people to cross without any border checks or passport control. So this is where zero trust access comes in and technologies such as SASE. And then we look at people. Should we automatically trust people just because they have a password? The majority of breaches leverage credentials in order to perform lateral movement, so passwords alone cannot be trusted. Zero Trust recommends MFA for all users to verify their identity. And then the final two bits are really 
How do we control access to the data that these users have access to? Policies for data protection, data access, and then lateral movement. How do we make it harder for attackers to move around our network? And this is where zero trust networking and micro segmentation comes in. Thank you, uh, Chris. And, and over to Yuka. Uh, you have been uh, supporting organizations with managing digital identities for quite a while now. And I can imagine the role that identities play as part of the digital transformation have changed. So what are the latest trends and drivers for the zero trust model? Well, uh, that's a good question. If we look at uh, the latest trends, I would say that we are talking about intelligent automation and uh, real-time decision-making. So, for example, um, uh, the, the way Zero Trust is improving the security posture in the organization, it really puts together certain old and new technologies and processes. And, and so in, in, in addition to such basic requirements as digital identity lifecycle and adaptive multi-factor authentication, we need to do um, the real-time decision-making, uh, artificial intelligence and intelligent automation. Okay, and, and what are the enablers for real-time decision-making and uh, what did you call it, intelligent automation? Yeah, so um, as Zero Trust security models, they provide security teams improved visibility into the entire security posture by continually uh, monitoring, logging and correlating and then analyzing every activity across the network. And, and the intelligent uh, automation is needed as there will be so much information that humans can't monitor and then react in the real time. And for example, security information and event management is required and then put together with data and analytics tool to monitor and aggregate. And then, for example, requiring automatically step up on the case into certain resources and, uh, and then quarantine the device if certain vulnerabilities or such combinations exist. And, and as what I just said, it's not new. They are all existing technologies, but the way they have been put together now, it actually is defining the zero trust architecture. Okay, thanks, Yuka. Um, makes sense. Um, over to Chris. What is your view? Do you recognize and agree with this? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Yuka raised some really good points there. And I think overall in the security world, we've been largely reactive to things. So we have focused on putting in the controls that we can, that our existing technology allows us to, without affecting the user experience too much. What we're starting to see is this paradigm shift at the moment to a more, I guess, preventative control or proactive uh, stance in security. So absolutely along the lines of what Yuka said, you know, from a product development point of view here at Saviant, we, we've kind of looked at the way that this data flows and, and are trying to make sense of how we can use that type of data for zero trust. So one of the things that we've implemented within our product recently is what we call the risk exchange. So rather than just sending our data to a SIM tool, we've actually now got bi-directional integration. And really, it's the start of this framework for us to be able to trade and share data with third-party platforms, whether that be UEBA tools, CASB tools, SIM tools, vulnerability management, et cetera. And really, our, our hope is to bring this data 
into our platform and bubble it up into a view to en enable our customers to make more risk based decisions. I think it's how do we start to make sense of all this data that we're gathering? How do we enable organizations to utilize this data in order to improve their security posture? What kind of things do we need to keep in mind before moving to the zero trust model? Yeah, I think, um, I think there's a lot of confusion here. It, it, and I think a lot of that, to be honest, is driven by vendors. Um, you know, every single vendor out there now has a, some form of zero trust solution. Um, but it's key to remember zero trust is a framework. It's not something where you have to go out and buy every tool that calls itself zero trust. So it applies to many different facets. It applies to people, it applies to process, technology, data. So you don't have to do this entire kind of roadmap. It's about picking what makes sense for you. What are the quick wins? And there's some very simple quick wins here. You know, let's just enable MFA for everybody so that you've got that second stage of verification of identities. You've got things like how do we protect user access into particular workloads or data? What are the type of technologies that you could put in the way there? Could you leverage existing gateways that you may already have, you know, just to protect that non-trusted device connecting to critical data, for instance? What we're seeing, and particularly in the identity world, is a move away from what we used to call standing privilege. So users who had some form of privileged access, whether it be to data, whether it be to assets, maybe they had an account that enables them access or a policy that enables them access. You know, moving away from the trust but verify into the never trust, always verify, which means removing standing privileged access to, to everything. So removing all the accounts, moving to a just-in-time model, removing static access to data, moving to this request process. So there's some very simple things that I, I think, you know, organizations can adopt quite quickly without having to look at huge architectural redesigns but this is definitely a journey not something that you could switch on overnight right so keep it simple at the first step absolutely yeah makes sense yuka what are some of the fundamental things that organizations should address before uh, considering zero trust well that's an excellent question as most breaches happen inside organization. They are intentional or by accident. Uh, but it actually uh, mandates us that, that user lifecycle management must be managed first. So there are way too many dormant user accounts lying around the different systems. Uh, and what are dormant user accounts? Is this like unused accounts or? Yes, exactly. It's it's um, it's the user account that is not uh, unactivated. Right. And it's especially not only in, in the master database or directory such as AD. I mean all the systems around uh, the organizations. And that brings us to the next step, which means that what about entitlement data in applications? Because there's a lot of, of, of uh, unused user accounts and unused entitlements that must be correlated uh, to be as... as um, as of today's requirements. When we have this done, we need to look at the devices. So, so these are the things that can be 
taken care of before really doing the step to zero trust architecture. So um, as the perimeters are gone, uh, the employees, they might want to use their own devices to accomplish certain tasks, for example, outside typical office hours, and they want to use their own devices, for example, iPad that is lying uh, at, on the sofa. So, so somehow these devices must be identified and controlled. And, and um, as we know that corporate devices, they are easier to equip and manage with different um, management profiles, but we need to be able to, to support agentless solutions as well. Hey, Yuka, uh, how can organizations go about taking the first steps towards implementing Zero Trust? First of all, <clears throat> there's a requirement of access uh, of res resources and processes. Then we need to plan and define um, whatever we are going to build. Then we need to deploy it and, and maybe put that into production via uh, a, a proof of concept. And at last, there is a requirement to expand whatever we have done. So, for example, <clears throat> when we discover actors, we need to be fully aware that who are the users of who are the actors within in the network then we need to find out what are the assets that those actors are using and based on this let's define the policies so for example how we should uh, grant accesses in the future how we should monitor access in the future and and then we are ready to go to definition uh, definition phase so let's define the solutions, what are the requirements, maybe some, some kind of, of RFPs to find out that, that which products will fulfill our requirements. Then deployment. And the good idea is to run proof of concepts with, with a small number. And once, once we are happy, uh, then we need to go live with the, the part that we have just uh, built and then expand it later. And what we heard before, as zero trust is not something that we can buy in a box. We are building it gradually. So, so basically the expansion phase will be going on, let's say, uh, continuously in the future. So gradually building based upon uh, a foundation that is a build-up of all these elements. Sounds like a lot of elements to set the basic rights, but it makes sense, Yuka. Thanks. One of the biggest changes of the last year is, of course, working from home. Um, and uh, Chris, how can Zero Trust help to overcome potential challenges uh, having people, having the workforce working from home? You know, the, the last year and a half for everybody has been crazy, obviously, with the situation with COVID. Um, and this has forced organizations' hands quite, quite a lot when it comes to flexible working. Very quickly, we had to adopt a remote workforce, and some organizations were not really geared up for that. If we think about, you know, users who are typically remote anyway or mobile users they had a laptop absolutely fine but there's still a large percentage of users that use desktop devices and what's happened is as those users have tr transitioned to remote working we've seen an increase in the number of personal devices being used and that personal device could be a personal laptop it could be a tablet a mobile device and all of these devices 
are connected from home networks, coffee shops, restaurants, etc., all kinds of public networks, and they're interfacing with the internet in order to get access to our data. So Zero Trust really helps us get a hold of this by, first of all, validating, verifying, discovering these assets, what they are, who owns them, authenticating them, so machine authentication, you know, prior to these machines being granted access to our network, and then the request of access. So rather than just trusting people based on, you know, okay, they've got a password, it moves to them having to request and verify. And those are the key things for me, you know, identity as, as the new perimeter has been a concept for about eight years now. And I think never so, you know, more than now has this been true. So it's about time that we started embracing the kind of concept itself and looking at ways that we can embrace these new ways of working because I think the reality of the next few years is we're going to be in this hybrid model and rather than security being a blocker, we need to start to think about, okay, this is our situation. How do we make it work? Yeah, I like that, Chris. Fully agree. Um, and, and as we are coming to the end of our show, um, I'd like to ask you, what's your advice yeah, to organizations as they adopt Zero Trust yeah, as, a, as a last point, uh, Yuka? Well, that's a good question. Uh, first of all, I think that, that corporations and stakeholders, they then tend to think that they are in very unique position in, within their problems. But uh, actually, uh, from the consultant side, I would say that most uh, companies, especially in digital identity, and I would say that at some level in, in, in zero trust architecture as well, there's a lot of, of uh, models that can be followed. And, and maybe I, I, I would uh, bring in, in uh, the KPMG powered idea here. So, so uh, as you might know, we at KPMG, we release annual CEO and CIO surveys. And, and uh, one of the findings year after year is the fact that most of the top management of the companies, uh, they, they understand they are in the middle of the change and, and they are willing to, to move. But it's still a mystery to the most that what's the actual required amount of the change and how to uh, accomplish where, where they are going. And, uh, <clears throat> that's why we have the KPMG powered enterprise solutions uh, and it's basically for rapid business modernization as KPMG we have done such things globally so many times that we have the model answers to the new ways of working and I don't talk pre precisely on zero trust nor cyber security but but we have done this in in I would say close to 15 different business applications globally so um, we know how to future ready processes and technologies work and i would say that zero trust architecture is is it's also something that we can cover with this approach and in a nutshell uh, we use a lot of existing market leading uh, artifacts like software processes uh, ways of working uh, what the future looks like uh, templates to ensure the quick delivery that can be uh, in, in, in a relatively short time. So that might be something that, that clients should think that it's, it's, they shouldn't 
try to figure it all by themselves from the scratch. Listen and learn. That's that's my advice. Okay, thanks, UK. Yeah, I've I've read about it. Right, it's like uh, we use like um, our experience doing this over and over for our clients to build a standard solution that's eighty percent ready, and then focusing really on the twenty percent that still needs to be covered. That is very client specific to deliver uh, a faster solution. Is that right? Exactly. Yes, it's right. Yeah. Okay, thanks. And uh, Chris, uh, for you as well, um, your advice to uh, to the organizations uh, from your side uh, at Savient. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, as, as I mentioned, identity is the new perimeter. So when I think about Zero Trust and I think about, you know, the framework, the recommendations, all of these involve identity. So making identity central to, to your controls is absolutely imperative here. And go after the quick wins. Uh, you know, it's not that easy to go and redesign an entire network, but it is easy to couple that with something like a cloud migration. So make sure that you design, develop your roadmap in line with your organizational corporation goals and infrastructure kind of roadmap plans. And don't think you have to do it all. Uh, I think, you know, there's organizations out there that are willing to help on this journey, but make identity central to it because I can tell you that it's absolutely central to every part of this Zero Trust framework. Thank you, Chris. That's a, a very good point to uh, to close this podcast with. All right, uh, gentlemen, this uh, was a very interesting uh, conversation about Zero Trust and how to deal with uh, digital identities. I would like to thank you for joining this podcast and um, uh, appreciate your time and, of course, your advice. Thanks, Henrik. It was a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I echo that. Thank you very much. Do you want to know more about securing your business and how to manage identities as part of your digital transformation? Contact us for an interactive KPMG knowledge session, including a Savient product demo. Please check out kpmg.com cybersecurity. Next time, we will be talking about securing the cloud. See you then. KPMG CyberOps, security solutions delivered.